Hello, my dear brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. I welcome you to this week's edition of the St. Jude Parish Chatter. We're into November already. Can you believe that, Deacon Joe? I know, it's hard to believe. We're getting, getting close. We're coming to the end of 2023, and we have to start thinking about 2024. It's uh. the nature of time going forward. But speaking of time, there is an eternal reality called purgatory that is temporal. The church uses that, that image of the amount of time you spend in purgatory. And November is the month of praying for souls in purgatory. Is that a part of your devotion, Deacon Joe? Do you pray for souls in purgatory? I do. I do. Good for you. So hopefully I'll die before you so that you can pray me out of purgatory. And That's it. Feel That's it. I have a devotion to the souls in purgatory as well. And um, it was inspired by a religious sister, actually, one of the Carmelite sisters. Had this as one of her charisms that she would encourage others to pray for the souls in purgatory. And um, she and I had a conversation once because she would always tell people, pray for the holy souls in purgatory. And it led to a conversation because I told her sister, if they're holy, they're not in purgatory. They're in heaven. So there's a little bit of controversy there. How do you feel about calling the souls in purgatory holy? Do well, I don't really have a, a big problem with that. I, I, I know there's a, a quote I was trying to think of that a priest told me about that. But I just like to think, well, they're holy souls, just not holy enough. <laughs> We're all holy souls. We're all not holy enough yet in this world. And it's the same in, in purgatory. We're definitely trying to get holier. So I came down with the, the opinion that I call them the souls in purgatory. And I dropped the holy part of it from the front, believing that when they get to heaven, then I'm going to call them holy and I'm going to give them a new title. And that is to be a saint, to be holy. Because the word holy means saint or the word saint means holy. And so they are set apart. That's what it means to be set apart. And those who just blended in with the rest of the world and conformed to the rest of the world, that's not holiness. That's just conformity. And and it's an easy way at a moment, but it doesn't lead to ultimate holiness. God continually calls us out of our comfort zones in order to be saints. And this is the experience of the saints, is that they keep having to develop um, new ways to be able to serve God and to be faithful to him. Right. He stretches us. He stretches us, yeah. What are ways that you can think of that we can pray for souls in purgatory? Well, just not only for uh, family and friends that we think might be there, but also for those uh, uh, forgotten souls, yeah, those people who may not have anyone to pray for them. Mm -hmm. We meet those even in this life, and imagine what it's like after they die. People in this life who have nobody that knows them or pays much attention to them, they feel completely alone. And then after they die, who prays for them? Who, who, who helps them to be able to get out of purgatory? Exactly. The church comes to their aid, and there's a beautiful custom of praying for the most forgotten souls in purgatory. Mm. People will pray for that. Whoever it is that has been there the longest, has been the most forgotten, and nobody's praying for them, they pray for those souls, or wow. for that soul, that one soul in particular they often do. And then once they've gotten that one into heaven, then they go to do another one, and they, they rotate through them. Um, we're doing the All Souls Day Novena. It's one of my favorite devotions of the year because the stack of envelopes ends up on the altar of all of these souls that we don't have a vision into heaven. We can't see who's there or who's in purgatory. And so we always give people that, that benefit of the doubt, I would call it, that they might be in purgatory and so we're going to pray for them. And the benefit is that they will advance then through purgatory and on into heaven. 
it's a disservice to people to say, no, nah, they're in heaven, I'm not going to do anything for them. Well, we can't see all of the actions of people. And That's you've probably right. heard stories like I've, I have, Deacon Joe, of somebody that died. And afterwards you find out they were not living a completely virtuous life. There was some pretty <laughs> embedded sin that they were refusing to let go of. So we should always presume when somebody dies that they need our prayers. They need a masses offered for them. That's what we do in this novena. But also to have sacrifices offered for them. Right, right. That's very true, very true. You can't, can't presume. Yeah, you don't presume. God has not given us that gift of being able to see into eternity, and we won't be able to see it until we get there. Correct. All right, thanks for sharing with me a little bit about this month of November and the month yeah. of praying for the souls in purgatory. <laughs> and you can pray for the holy souls if you want them. The holy souls, but not quite holy enough. That's right, You're right. Well, uh, you want to talk about our sponsor? Yeah, who's for the our week? sponsor, Deacon Joe? Our sponsor of the week is going to be our seminarian appeal at all the masses this weekend. We have a uh, seminarian named Jeff Pooley who's going to be at uh, uh, speaking at the end of our masses this weekend. So we welcome Jeff Pooley to the parish, and he'll have just a couple of minutes at the end. But more importantly, we're doing an appeal for the seminary, so there will be a collection at um, at. Um, uh, this weekend to be able to help others uh, who are going through the seminary and to be able to, to support the seminary. So there'll be instructions on how we're, we'll do that at Mass this weekend. So, um, yeah, we certainly support Jeff Pooley and pray for him. Let's talk about the gospel, though, even more important, the, the right. Word of God. Would you share today the, the Sunday's gospel for I us? I sure will. Sure, be happy to. <clears throat> the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to, to you, you, O Lord. Lord. Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens and hard to carry and lay them on people's shoulders, but they will not lift a finger to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love places of honors at banquets and seats of honor in synagogues, greetings in marketplaces, and the salutation rabbi. As for you, do not be called rabbi. You have but one teacher, and you are all brothers. Call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. Do not be called master. You have but one master, the Christ. The greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Deacon Joe, I bet that this is one of your favorite Gospels because our Lord makes a reference to the deacons in the midst of this, the, those who are the servants. So um, tell everybody what the word servant is translated as in Greek. Oh, diakonia? Diakonia, exactly. So that's where we, where we get the word ser, uh, deacon from, is from the servant. So the greatest among you must be the servant. And so, Deacon Joe, you get to be the greatest among us. If oh, we that, take this that's gospel, scary. <laughs> if we take this gospel literally. But all of us are called to be servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. You just happen to have that as a vocation, to be conformed unto Christ the servant by holy orders. This gospel um, often uh, needs some explanation because our fundamentalist brothers and sisters will use it against me. They'll yep. say, call no one on earth your father. And they'll say, well, I'm not going to call you father because the gospel says, call no one on earth your father. And our Lord in the context here is chastising the scribes and Pharisees 
because they are not in conformity with God the Father. So our Lord uses a hyperbole and, and exaggeration to be able to make his point and call no one on earth your father. So I, as a priest, as a spiritual father, am called to imitate God the Father. So the perfect fatherhood is in God the Father, and I imitate him, and that's why I have the title of father. But our Lord is not being literal here. So in um, I took the opportunity before we got started to do another count in my uh, concordance, and I just got through the Gospel of Matthew to see how many times our Lord uses the expression father, and he uses it 71 times wow. in the Gospel of Matthew. So if he's trying to tamp down the use of the word father, he's not doing a good job of it. No. And as he uses the word father, he uses it to refer to earthly fathers, not just the heavenly father. So in Mark's Gospel, chapter 17, uh, chapter 7, verse 11, say to your father, um, I will go out to, to plow in the field. So this is a natural father. Or um, Mark 10, verse 7, a man leaves his father and his mother. mother. It's a natural father, the father in this world that he's referring to. So if our Lord was trying to condemn that, he didn't follow his own teaching. He right. uses the word father to refer to natural fathers in this world. In addition, we refer to Father Abraham in the scriptures. Now, Father Abraham is a spiritual leader. And so even those who are not the direct descendants of Abraham would call him Father Abraham because he began the... the um, the kingdom of Israel and the chosen people of God. So this title father is not just restricted to God the Father, but earthly fathers and even spiritual fathers. So that's an important point for me to make. Thank you for, for allowing me to go yeah. off on that little, that little tirade. Well, I was kind of thinking you might head that way because I, I hear that a lot too. Yeah. Well, it's a, a part of the, uh, of the nature of it that it's actually beautiful because the Lord is, is establishing universals there. So I love this philosophically. Universals is like the perfect form. So think of Plato referring to what a thing is in its perfection. A table is in its perfection with four legs and a top. And this is the perfect form of it. And then there are particulars. So there's a table in your room and there's a table in the dining room. And they all have little different ways about them. But there's a perfect universal form. And the same could be true about fatherhood. There's a perfect universal fatherhood, and that's in God, the Almighty Father. And then every other fatherhood is an imitation of that, and it has its own characteristics, and it's even imperfect in the way that we imitate the, the Heavenly Father, but we have to strive to imitate the Heavenly Father, and that's true for me as a spiritual father, but also true for the fathers of families. They have to strive to imitate God, the Almighty Father. That's right, with that, with that unconditional love, with that, that love, but also with that loving discipline at times too. Yeah. I got a little bit different different take on the gospel too because oh, I hear something yeah. something uh, uh, that comes up occasionally too when you hear this gospel because it uh, talks about the uh, uh, they tie up heavy burdens and mm-hmm. uh, hard to carry and lay them on people's uh, shoulders but not lift a finger to move them and yeah. sometimes when uh, people. I hear different people talk about, well, this is uh, uh, Jesus saying that we have too many rules, but doesn't Jesus have some rules? And mm. it's like, very much so, but what are, what are some of uh, uh, Jesus' rules? Or sometimes they say uh, Jesus talks about the yoke, and the yokes that, that they're talking about, you know, sometimes like the yoke of oxen, or the yoke itself was uh, could be heavy, you know, but the yoke Jesus talks about is uh, love, we heard in the gospel last week that love of God and love of neighbor. 
but also too that the yoke pairs up the oxen so they share the load mm-hmm. and so we are called to be yoked to one another to yeah. help share the load but also when we yoke ourselves to jesus Amen. he's there to be with us oh beautiful yeah we're we're not trying to follow the rules on our own we're no. doing it together as a community and we're helping one another That's to right. be faithful and, and going beyond the rules it, to uh, use the expression, the commands of God. And we say, I love your commands. Whatever you want, Lord, command me, mm-hmm. direct me. Like you were referring to how great it is to be the servant, the, yeah. the exalted ones here. Well, that's because you follow the commands of God. You're serving what the Lord wants. And we encourage each other to serve. We encourage each other to pick up the commands of God and to to carry them together. But also look at our Lord Jesus Christ, who's our brother and our Lord, and he does lift more than a finger to help us. In fact, he lifts an entire cross to be able to help us. And he carries that cross to the top of Calvary, and there he gives everything Everything. to be able to make up for our imperfections and to help us uh, along the way. There's a weird word in here that we can't let go of, Deacon Joe, and we have to to explain it first. And the weird world, the weird word is phylacteries. Uh-huh. Um, the scribes and Pharisees have taken their seat. And so here we should think of like a cathedral, the, the cathedra, the, mm-hmm. the seat of the bishop. So, so there is authority in the seat. Um, but they preach and um, here, all their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. What do you think about that? Well, let's see if I can remember it correctly. I know that uh, some of the rabbis were considered, I guess, uh, almost like a ranking or their, yeah, the their high prestige. Yeah, right. Had so the long have, tassels. They and make the, it known. Are the phylacteries those little uh, box-looking Exactly, things? the yeah. little box. Yeah. So inside of the box is a, the Ten Commandments and the, the law, and it's usually written in really small. And it's either on the forehead or on the arms. And the phylacteries are the leather straps that hold the box on, but it's holding it onto the forehead and are holding it onto their arms. And so if you widen your phylacteries, now it's more obvious that you're wearing a phylactery. And so oh, everybody gets to okay. see that you've okay. got your, your holiness on. And so, yeah, they widen their phylacteries for people to see. Ultimately, the only one who needs to see our holiness is God. Amen. And he knows the dispositions of the heart. He knows where we're at. And so what we do is for God and not for people in this world. Very true. Well, Father, may we have your blessing. Thank you so much, Deacon Joe. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless us, protect us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 